Amen. I love the way the worship team, Jeremy's leading us this morning. There's so much, there's so much enthusiasm up on the stage. Sean, my goodness, what a great deal he did there for us around communion. Stephanie turned to me during this. She said, that man can preach. And I'm telling you, she recognizes great preaching. <laughs> but I, I, I think about Dan uh, this morning, man. He is so fired up about those new members. But I do need to give Dan a, a warning. I don't think Emma Gale could take him out, but Jonathan Vila could take him out, okay? <laughs> and I probably need to call Jonathan this afternoon and tell him what Dan said. All right. Guys, um, Kids Kingdom children are dismissed right now, first through sixth grade. Love what's going on back there. There's so much coming up. You can see the next slide with our Easter schedule. I hope you do see the insert in Lifelines for the men's breakfast. We figure out men need to get together, and this is going to be an awesome breakfast. And so we need you to sign this up so we know how many boxes to get, all right? And um, we also, there's some areas for you to serve if you do that. So excited about honoring Bill Page, just a great servant of this church since its inception. If you're new with us this morning, we're continuing to study the book of Ephesians, and we're asking this question, why church? It's a legitimate question when 70% of American Christians say they don't think they need the church. Paul obviously doesn't feel that way. And so we're looking at all these pictures in Ephesians. This morning, we're landing again in Ephesians chapter 2. I want you to listen. See this on the screen, verse 19. Paul says, Now you are no longer strangers to God and foreigners to heaven, but you are members of God's very own family, citizens of God's country, and you belong in God's household with every other Christian. Our first two lines in Landmark 101 is that the church is a family Our second line is, every Christian belongs in a church family. Oh, I love that term, family, because that that sounds so warm to us. Many of us grew up when we talked about the church being an institution. Anybody remember that? I knew quite a few people who belonged in an institution, but it really wasn't my favorite picture. I love the idea of a church being a family. Now, we want to go a little deeper, though, this morning. Why did he give us his family? And I think we'll get a clue. In Ephesians chapter 6, where he's talking about family, family. He's just talked about husbands and wives. And now he talks about raising your children. Verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise. So that it may go well with you, and you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Do you see what he's talking about there? Training, instruction, bringing them up. You can see the answer to our question this morning. Why church? Paul says a a church is a family to grow up in. We need a place that helps us mature. That's why God, when you were born, he didn't do with you what he did with other animals. He didn't have you hatched from an egg. He didn't put you here full grown. He had you placed in the family with people to help you grow up. And it's exciting, isn't it? I remember when we were growing up on Delray Parkway behind, excuse me, our laundry room door. Uh, yeah, let me, let me grab that water. Sorry, you guys on the internet. I'll be right back with you. Um, 
But on, on behind the laundry room door, my mom would put us every few months behind that door. And she'd put, take a ruler and she'd mark it and she'd date it. And it was so exciting to see as you had grown up. And what I wanted to say to you this morning is that when we talk about church, there needs to be marks on the wall as we all, all grow up. So let's talk about God's family just a moment. Three points I want to make, very simple points. Number one, in God's family, there's nothing wrong with being a baby. Say that out loud with me. In God's family, there's nothing wrong with being a baby. In fact, the church ought to be full of them. The Bible says when someone becomes a Christian, they are a baby. That's okay. I love when we lived in Tuscaloosa. There was a young man there, very evangelistic. His name was Jack Burkhalter. And any time he baptized someone, when they would come out of the baptistry, he would drive them to Druid City Hospital, take them to the fifth floor, and, and take them where that window was where all the babies were inside. He'd say, spiritually, that is where you, who you are. You're a baby. And guys, that's a good thing. You see, when someone comes to Christ... They come out of that water in the first century. You know what they did? They gave them a glass of milk to drink because they wanted them to know they were babies. Guys, you want to be in a church where there are babies and infants. In fact, they're going to make messes, and that's okay. That's what babies do. And if you come to a church where everybody looks the same and dresses the same and acts the same and answers questions the same and language is all the same, you must not have a bunch of babies because this can look different. You see, our point is there's nothing wrong with being a baby. The problem under this point is when you expect a baby to be an adult. You can't have that expectation. You've got to be patient and loving and stay with them. So a church... Doesn't expect a baby to be adult. We've got a second point here that the rest of us need to hear. There's something wrong with staying a baby. Say that out loud with me. There's something wrong with staying a baby. In fact, look over at Hebrews chapter 5, where they've got a problem of some folks not growing up. Listen to verse 11. We have much to say about this, but it's hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. They're not growing In fact, he says, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truth of God's Word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teachings about righteousness. Guys, it's okay for someone to be a baby. You expect a baby to be a baby. For instance, I've got grandchildren in um, Huntsville, and so I... Because they're not as close by, I get to see their growth more pronounced. And two of them are baby twins. And I get to talk to them quite often. And uh, we FaceTime, which is marvelous. And so um, normally uh, we get on FaceTime. And, and they don't know how to say grandbuddy yet. So they say, bay, bay, bay. And then my first question is, what does the pig say? And they go, oink. What does the cow say? Moo. And Charlotte loves the lamb. What does the lamb say? Bah. They just, and, and, and that's our conversation, and that's, that's okay because they're babies. But friends, let's say that this is your first time to be here, and you come to back landmark five years from now, and you had not been in between, and you, you come up, you say, hey, last time I was here, you were talking about your two twin granddaughters. How are they doing? I said, oh, they're great. I just FaceTimed them yesterday. He said, 
bye, bye. I said, watch the pig say, oink, oink. You go, whoo, something wrong with that man and his babies. Now, you wouldn't talk to me about my face, but you'd get out in the parking lot, wouldn't you? <laughs> and you'd say, man, those babies aren't growing up. That's the same stupid story he told five years ago. They ought to mature. The conversation ought to change. And you'd be right because we do expect babies to grow. You see, there's a problem when you expect an adult to be a baby. Listen to me. God expects everyone to grow. The church should expect everyone to grow. Because I, I don't have any problem with treating babies like babies. But we all ought to have a problem with treating adults like babies. And yet I see us do it in the church all the time. You've got you to pamper people, you know. Oh, would you please come? We're going to have this men's breakfast. There's going to be good food in the box. I mean, you're going to love it. I mean, oh, 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 did someone not speak to you last Sunday? I'm so sorry. We'll do better next Sunday. I mean, yeah, I mean, we just, we're just always running, you know, begging people to come, begging people to do something. Guys, we, we should not be pampering and begging people to do something they ought to do as mature adults in the family of God. That's just not the way it's supposed to be. You expect a, an adult to be an adult. And so there's got to be an expectation that we grow, that we mature beyond who we are. What are some signs of immaturity? Uh, well, book of Hebrews said, when you're still on the milk of the Word and you ought to be deeper in God's Word, that's a sign. When, when you have someone that you need, in fact, in, instead of you teaching other people, you need someone to come teach you all over again. Some other, you know, stories found in Scripture it would, or verses would say selfish relationships. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3, you are still treating people like, like babies. You're still acting like mere infants. Well, what's selfish relationship? When I walk in this room and it's all about me, how did you treat me? Who talked to me? Did I like the music? Did I like this? Did I like that? No, it's not about you. And then another sign is, you know, Prayers that don't change. In any relationship, your conversations change, don't they? Because they get deeper. I can still remember Stephanie and I's first date, Enterprise, Alabama. I can remember the conversation. I asked her, what does the lamb say? She said, bah. (laughs) I didn't do that. Okay. (laughs) She was a good bit younger than me. But... um, (laughs) But, but, but that, was a, that was a great conversation for that, that first date. But if we get in the car today leaving and we had the same conversation, you go, no, 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 guys, you, you've had 30-something years of marriage. You've got four children, eight grandchildren. You've got so much stuff to talk about. You're not going to have the same conversation. And as you walk with God and you grow and mature, your prayers change. You get deeper in the Word and you get deeper in prayer. So nothing wrong with being a baby. Something wrong with staying a baby? And here's our last point here. Everything right with growing up together. We are born into a family so that we grow. Now, let me make a few points here. There's no such thing spiritually as standing still. You're, you're either going backwards or you're going forward. A preacher centuries ago, Cromwell, said this. He who ceases to be better ceases to be good. 
Because you, you, you just can't come to a point and go, you know what, I've learned enough, I've done enough, I've prayed enough, I'm just going to stop right here. You can't do that, guys. You've got to keep on taking those next steps. But on the other hand, let's also say this. There is no such thing as instant maturity. No, we live in a culture, we love everything instant. I mean, I can remember when fast food started. It, it was awful. You had to walk in the building and get your food. Can you believe how rude that was? And then we came up with drive-thrus. You know that McDonald's business doubled when they started drive-thrus. And now I don't even want to wait in the drive-thru. I'm just going to order it, and someone's going to deliver it, DoorDash, to my door. We don't put up with having to wait. And that's one of our problems spiritually often, is we want it to happen overnight where it's going to take time. It's not going to be instant. I mean, in raising your children, you can't expect them to go from being a baby to being a mature adult overnight. That's why God keeps them in your home, sometimes longer than you want them in your home, right? Because he wants you to help them grow up. So we're not just a warm place. I love when we talk about family and, you know, Dan says, welcome home. And I think, ooh, I love that, warm family. Yes. But why do we have that warm family atmosphere? So that it's a place that we can help each other be better. So I want to remind us this morning as we close of some things that we do as a church family together and why we do it. You know, if, if you're, you know, raising your family, you know, you have some things that you do. I mean, it, 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 one of the healthiest things you can do as a family, studies are all over the place about it, is sit down at the dinner table and eat together. It's a game changer. Or you know what, if you have a family, you know, and we wake up Saturday morning to do chores, we never let some of the kids watch cartoons, some of the kids get on video games. No, we, we do that together. There's something good about all of that. And in a church family, there are things that we do together that are important. In fact, these are so important that they're written on the walls surrounding you. Adore, belong, care, disciple. You, you read them from left to right. Maybe you've been coming for a long time and thinking, what are those big words up there? They are our discipleship steps. They actually are sequential. They, they build on each other. If someone first comes in, we say, hey, we want to challenge you to be a part of a door, belong, then care, then disciple. Let's talk specifically about what that means. First of all, a door. Here's the way I want to explain it today. Weekly time with your church family in worship and the Word. Listen to me. We underrate the power of worship in spiritual growth. We think, oh, that's just worship, and let me go read my Bible and spiritually grow. No. Worship is transformative. Scripture teaches as you focus on Jesus, He changes you. That's why it's so important that you walk in here with a heart for worship. Thank goodness we have great people to lead us. But also, though, we want this to be a time in the Word. And so every Sunday, I'm blessed to open the Word to you. Now, I would have to admit this, you know, I got 30 minutes, and I got to preach to everybody from a 5-year-old to a 95-year-old. So that's going to change a little bit about what I can do. And that's why we're so excited about Bible study starting back on April the 11th. Because we've always intentionally said, this is going to be our time to grow deeper in the Word. This is the time where we're going to have the time to go deep into the text. And so I want to encourage you about that. So all of that happens actually on Sunday morning. 
And if you hadn't been a part of all that, I challenge you. Because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God, Romans 10, 17. We've got to be in the Word. That's what was so exciting to me. Just a few weeks ago when the elders announced we were starting back Bible study, and you guys broke into applause. It's worth that applause. So that's the first step. And I don't know where you are right now. This may be your first time at church. We applaud that. But take this step. Commit yourself there. The B is belong. A small, belong to a small group where you build spiritual friendships. Guys, for some of you, I just get tickled of how scared you are about walking into a small group. It's not that big of a deal. Basically, we apply the Word of God and what we've talked about on Sunday morning, and we build good friendships. And guys, we all know this. You become like your friends. The Bible says, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 33, evil companions corrupt good people. The, the inverse is also true. When you're around good people, you become better. Because I'm going to tell you, you're in trouble spiritually if your best friends are not Christians. But if you'll surround yourself in one of our small groups with people to live life with, to encourage you, it can be so powerful because you come like those friends. We got, you know, we're trying to relaunch small groups. Many groups are starting to meet again. We got a new group starting a couple weeks on Sunday nights while the teenagers are meeting in the gymnasium. We're going to have a parents of teen group. There's a single men's group just kicked off. There's a, we're trying to gather a group of, of, of some of our married people with children that live in the, actually live in Montgomery, trying to start that new group. We got a couple ABC groups kicking off the end of this month. Find a group. There's lots of choices, but be intentional to find that group. Because you need those friends. Here's what I always say. You need somebody you could call at 3 a.m. in the morning if you had a problem. I find so many people don't have that. Uh, third, third step is care. So we adored, belong, now we, we care. We care enough to serve in our church and community. It's not an either or. I hear some people that reject church say, well, I, I don't want to fool with church. I just want to go out in my community. I like what Paul said in Galatians 6, verse 10. Be good to all, especially those of the household of faith. There's a priority of we first love well and serve well here so that we're motivated and equipped to love and serve well in our community. It's both. Because you know this. You don't grow by just going to classroom. That's why God didn't have you born and say, I want you to take these classes on growing up. And he didn't tell your parents, okay, just um, get you a good PowerPoint presentation, you know, and we got these manuals here, and let's, let's teach our children that way. That doesn't work. If you've got a young child and you're trying to teach them to cut the grass, you don't do a PowerPoint presentation on how to cut the grass. You get them out of that house and out on the grass with the lawnmower, and you demonstrate, and you let them push it with you, and then you let them do it by themselves. You learn by doing and if all you're doing in this church right now is sitting in a place like this, or even a classroom, or even a, a small group, but you're not out active with your faith, you'll never grow as much as you could. That's why I'm excited about next Sunday, because things are kicking back in. We'll have a chance to re-sign up for Faith Works, and you can do something there. And then look at this one, disciple. Here's the D. Intentional relationships to help us grow in Christ-likeness. The, the key word there is what? Intentional. This may be where you'll have your most growth. 
But this also, I guarantee you, is our weakness as a church. Now, now we understood this decades ago. We somewhat understand this now. When, let's say when a father used to hand his profession off, maybe he was a, you know, a shoe repairman. And he said, okay, son, this is what you're going to do. You're going to start going, and I'm, I'm going to teach you how to do this. Or, or we had a great family here at early service, the Henrys. They're generations of farmers. You know, they, they just sort of from the grandfather, the son, and now grandson Garrett, I mean, they, they passed this on of how to farm. But I guarantee you, Gary was intentional with Garrett. And his dad, Davis, was intentional with him. And we all know that's the way you learn to do something better. Any other way, it's the greatest teaching method in the history of the world. And that's why Jesus said we employ it. What's discipleship about? It's about me intentionally pouring into someone and then pouring into me to become more like Jesus. Now, how does that happen? We don't have some big program on this one. I, I look at Doug Prater and I go, Doug, I tell you, brother, I see a lot of Jesus in you. Can we start spending some time together? I, mean, I want to know where you learned to handle life the way you did. Can we, can we get together once a week and pray and talk about our lives? Or maybe even better, man, why don't we grab a few more folks around here, three or four, it's what we call a discipleship group, and, and let's get together and let's be intentional about where we are in Christ and how we are growing. I'm telling you, it's explosive. That's the way you pass it on. That's the way we change. Let me give you two illustrations here. One's positive, one's negative. I find that most of us really struggle in Bible study. I mean, we hear it, we know it, we know we ought to do it, but I start reading my Bible, and I don't get anything out of it. I don't know where to start. I don't know how to do it. But let's say Doug's my discipleship partner, and I say to Doug, Doug, is this something I respect about Doug Prater? Man, you know the Word so well. Would you teach me how to study the Bible? That's how you're going to grow more than just out there trying. Or a negative light. Let me tell you something I see is a big, big issue among us right now. It's abuse of alcohol. We did a class in Man Up a couple years ago on alcohol. We did three weeks on it. We, we thought it was going to be a real simple subject. And it's not as simple as it used to be when it was black and white, where you go, Christian just never can touch alcohol or whatever. But what we found out was, a lot of our young men, especially young married men with children, were drinking to calm down so that when they went in their home, they would treat their wife and children right. They were self-medicating. It became really, really obvious. It was dangerous. And guys, listen to me. Every statistic out of this pandemic says that alcohol use has exploded People have been stuck, their schedule's been changed, and they deal with it with more and more alcohol. Now, okay, you say, what's that to do with it? Okay, just like I might say to Doug, Doug, would you teach me how to study the Bible? Maybe Doug's the one struggling, and I go, Doug, man, I love you, and we spend time together every week, but I've been noticing, man, you're doing more and more drinking. I walked in your house the other day, it was all on counter, and, um, you know, I'm not telling you it's black and white, but I am telling you this, it's dangerous. Because that's what happens when you get to that level, is you have someone who can see in your life, and you can see in their life, not to jump on you or get on you, but to love you, because we all have blind spots. So, 
That's the ABCDs of Landmark. Adore, belong, care, disciple. I want to add one more this morning. I'm going to add an E, and it's encourage. We did a whole series called Build on Encouragement because it's so important in this whole process there's a study that was done in America and later across the whole world where they were looking for secrets of a strong family. This was so crazy. Across the whole world, any culture, there were six common secrets of all strong families. One of them was strong families use lots of words of affirmation. So here's what I want to say to you. What we need to do as a family is we need to affirm. Now, is there room for correction? Yes. But even with your children, if all you ever do is correct, you're going to drive them away. It's probably more important and more powerful than when you see them do anything right, you applaud it. So in this church family, man, let me, let me say this. If this is your first time to church or first time back at church, hey, can we applaud that? Can we applaud that for those people? If right now you're deciding to start Bible study on April the 11th in depth in this church building, can we applaud the folks who are making that decision? If one of you is deciding to join a small group or to even start a small group, can we applaud those folks? If any one of us has the guts to go out and say, you know what, I see Jesus in you. Could we help each other become more like Jesus? Let's grab a few folks and let's start meeting. Let's applaud people that are doing that, all right? Because that's what we must do as a church. We've got to encourage everybody every step because the expectation is not that everybody be over here in maturity. That's not a family. The expectation is wherever you are. If this is your first time to church, yes. If April 11th is your first time to go to Bible study, yes. If you're going to investigate a life group, yes. And every time you take a step and I take a step, we're going to say, praise God. That's the way we start to grow. And so this morning, before we leave out of here, we're going to take time to pray for each other. And we've got some response cards right there in the pew. And all you got to do is fill that out and bring it down. Paul, thank you if you'd bring the basket over here. Because let's go back to our original question. Because this is so important. Why family? A family is a place to grow up. But for that to happen, we've got to be intentional. We've all seen families where they weren't intentional with their kids. Kids just did anything, anytime they wanted to. There was no discipline. There was no encouragement. Just, and, and we've seen they flop. But when, when we're in a family like this, if we could be intentional, if this morning you need to go to the delivery room and be born again, you could do that. If you need to take one of these steps we've talked about over the last couple moments, then you want to commit yourself to doing that? If you know that you love the term family, but the honest truth is you've not been a good family member, you're still immature to wait on someone else to contact you and to get, get you going, then why don't you repent of that this morning? Or if you just need, because of this crazy pandemic and everything going on, you need a moment of recommittal, just write that on your card and put it there. And we will pray for you. Because listen to me, guys, there's nothing more exciting than when we all start to grow. Again, sorry I love to talk about my grandchildren so much. 
They are good for sermon illustrations, all right? But like we were visiting Huntsville a couple months ago, and I, so um, my oldest grandson, Tay, just turned seven. And he, for the first time in his life, has his own bedroom. And he's so proud of it. And so he takes me up there. He actually asked me if I'd spend the night on one of his bunk beds. So, so we go up there, and he's showing me his room. He's showing me, you know, where he's got his baseball bat, you know, and where he's got his train set right in the middle of the room because he says it really looks good there. And then he tells me about his beds. There's two bunk beds, and he's got, I mean, it's so neat. He's got all these little pillows on the bunk bed, you know. And he said, now, grandbuddy, he said, I decorate the bottom bunk bed better than the top because that's the one people see. And so he, he's so excited about it, you know. And the little rascal, I'm so proud of him, he wakes up every morning and makes his bed. He wakes up every morning, gets his own clothes out, makes it. I mean, I mean it's, it's pristine in there. In fact, grandbuddy got in trouble because I didn't make my bed the next morning. All right? <laughs> grandbuddy, you got to go back upstairs and make your bed. And I love him. The, the, the little guy, I love him. He's growing up. And, man, there's nothing more exciting and what I'm telling you guys is there's going to be nothing more exciting in this church than when every Sunday you come to church, you look across the aisle, and you see someone who's become a Christian. You see someone growing up, and we celebrate it. I think of looking out here and seeing Brandon and Christian Egerton and them being baptized just a few weeks ago, and the great marker that was in their life. Man, that's what it's about. Or I think about Bill Page and the influence he's been in this church. Then we're going to get to honor him. Man, he's a lot further down the road. I think of all the folks in between I get to see grow. Our Young Marriage Life Group last Sunday night, uh, we got to celebrate Hunter Jackson. Many of you know Hunter. Hunter came to our church when he was a college student at AUM. Talking about someone who needed a family. He needed a family. And if you remember things... Um, he was on this front row probably every other week. And Hunter never held back because he had a lot of issues going on from pornography addictions to depression to you name it. Man, we were praying for him. And I guarantee you, if I ask to stand today, everyone who's encountered Hunter, everyone who's been in a small group with Hunter, everyone who's poured into Hunter, it'd be dozens of people here because this church loved him. And so last Sunday night, guess what? Hunter's getting married, this wonderful Christian girl named Tiffany. And um, so our, our life group's given this shower, and I'm sitting by Hunter while they're unwrapping their gifts. And in the middle of the unwrapping, he turned to me. He said, um, he said, buddy, this is so surreal. I never thought I'd ever be here. Hunter thought he'd never get married. And then he told the life group, the reason I am where I am is because the Landmark family loved me here. You talk about wanting to celebrate? And guys, that's what can happen with all of us. If we'll just be intentional, take the next step, and when you see someone do it, <laughs> applaud them. So this morning, some of you need to take a next step. This could be your moment of recommittal, your moment of committal. And just, just come put your card in here, and we'll pray for you before we get out of here. So let's sing and encourage each other as we um, stand together.